Welcome. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church here on the Modesto campus, in the worship center, in the venue. Welcome to everyone who is with us in our online campus. We're glad to be together. Uh, you know, over these past 12 weeks, my family, they've been doing church in the backyard. And so, family, I hope you're having fun in the backyard right now, okay? And it's good to be together. We're in a series called Breakthrough. And Wednesday night... Pastor Lonnie is going to finish up this series in our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. And so you're going to want to make sure that you're watching online Wednesday night at 7. It's going to be a really great message from Pastor Lonnie. Today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. would encourage you to turn there. I don't know if you sense during this season that you have felt under attack. It might be that all that's going on with the COVID-19 has caused you to feel under attack. It may be that there is something going on in a relationship that you have that has caused you to feel under attack. There might be something happening in your health that has caused you to feel under attack. My hope would be that as we spend time in the scriptures, that this passage, that it would speak to you that Jesus Christ is here for you and that Jesus Christ is the breakthrough that you need. You see, the context of Daniel chapter three, when you consider what happens in chapter one, the very first verse, it says that Jerusalem was captured, that King Nebuchadnezzar and his army came and captured Jerusalem, and they took the tribe of Judah, and they exiled them to Babylon. In verses three and four, it states that the youth, the Hebrew youth of the tribe of Judah, that they were enlisted in service to the king. We get the names of four of them in verses six and seven. They were all given names that were Babylonian names. They had their names changed as they went into service for the king. Daniel, his name became Belteshazzar. Hananiah became Shadrach. Mishael became Meshach. Azariah became Abednego. I had a hard time with that as a kid, so my dad taught me, shake them up, make them up, and to bed you go. And in verse 8, it says that these three, four Hebrew youth, they resolved not to defile themselves by eating the king's food and the king's drink because it had been sacrificed to an idol, a false god, and they knew that that would not be pleasing to the God that they served. And so in verse 17, it explains that God blessed them. God gave them learning and skill. And to Daniel specifically, God gave him the ability with visions and dreams. In verse 20, it says that these Hebrew youth were found to be 10 times better than everyone else who was in service to King Nebuchadnezzar. They excelled far beyond them all. In chapter two, we see King Nebuchadnezzar begins to have nightmares. He begins to have dreams. And he doesn't understand them and they're bothering him. And he goes and he has no one in his service who can help him and he remains troubled. In verse 17, Daniel says, hey, I'll go seek my God on behalf of you and see if my God will interpret your dream for you. And in verse 19, God reveals the mystery of this dream. You'll have to go into Daniel chapter two. You're gonna need to read it for yourself. It's complex, there's a lot to it. But there's a body in the dream and the head of that body is revealed in verse 38. And that is very significant for the context of Daniel chapter three because in verse 38, Daniel reveals through the power of God to King Nebuchadnezzar that head, that is a head of gold. And that head of gold is you, King Nebuchadnezzar. 
And that's the context of Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. And it starts out and it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura. Uh, a cubit was from the end of the elbow to the end of the fingertips, about a foot and a half. So it was a 90-foot tall gold statue, a 90-foot tall gold image. It's nine feet wide. It was set in the middle of a plain. It would have been seen for miles as the sun shone on that gold and would have been so bright. He says, I'm the head of gold, and I want to make sure everybody knows it. In verse two, it says, then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence. Think this is all of the government in this moment to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then it repeats it. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces, they gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had come. And he sends for the whole government, and the whole government comes. And then the herald proclaims out loud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound, think parade marching band in this moment of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music. You're to fall down. And you're to worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, and the bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, the nations, and languages, they fell down and they worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. He is the head of gold and he wants everyone to know it. So he makes an enormous 90-foot statue and he says, bow down and worship because he's saying, bow down and worship me. This is the peak of the attack. Is it true that Jerusalem was captured? Yes. Is it true that everyone was exiled? Yes. But this is a straight-on attack at God Almighty as King Nebuchadnezzar says, worship me. Exodus 20, verse 3 is crystal clear. You shall have no other gods before me. The second one, you shall not carve yourself an idol, you shall not bow down before it. And every Hebrew in this moment would understand that King Nebuchadnezzar, he's coming at God directly. Verse eight, therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the prince of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, O king, they pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You see, these Chaldeans, they are so jealous. They've been stewing for so long. Why? Because these Hebrew youth were found to be 10 times better than they were. And they've been waiting. They've been waiting for an opportunity to get them back. And the opportunity finally comes. And they're so excited because they now can go and they can attack these Jews. These Jews that were found to be superior to them because they had not defiled themselves and they had stayed loyal to their God and God blessed them. 
Verse 13, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true? Is it true, O Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. Now, if, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, and the bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Do you see how large his ego has grown. He's the head of gold. He wants to be God and he wants to be worshiped like God. And he is attacking the king of the universe, God Almighty, the creator of him, the creator of these Hebrews, the creator of the Chaldeans and the creator of you. And he's coming straight at him and he's attacking him. How quickly King Nebuchadnezzar has forgotten that God is the one who gave Daniel the ability to interpret the vision and dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had that he found out he was the head of gold. How quickly he has forgotten. In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew youth, they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, if everything you're describing ends up happening, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These three Hebrew youth, they understood who they answered to. They understood who held them accountable. And they recognized the sovereignty of God in the face of persecution and in the face of extreme punishment. And they trusted in God's ability even if God chooses not to use his ability to save them in this moment. Nonetheless, they trusted in God's ability. And they trusted that he would provide. And so they stand. In verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. <laughs> then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was so urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed, killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell bound into the fiery furnace. Remember, this is a direct attack at God Almighty. Nebuchadnezzar's rage is in direct result that he, in this moment, realizes he can't be God. And he's furious about it because he wants to be God and he wants to be worshipped. This passage describes what the enemy desires. This passage describes the tactics that the enemy has because the tactic, the enemy wants to bind and to cast you. The enemy wants you to be bound and you to be thrown. The enemy wants you to be taken up and you to fall. 
And here we see the work of the enemy. Verse 24, then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose up in haste and he declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he answered, but, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar can't even believe his eyes, what he's seeing right now. <laughs> his own army died getting close to the flames. And now there's four men walking around in the fire. They're not hurt. And one looks like a son of God. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. Nebuchadnezzar's declaration has changed from bow to me to servants of the Most High God. His declaration has changed from to bind and to cast to now he's saying, come out and come here. And the government is watching. Verse 27, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair on their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. What an incredible testimony. What an incredible witness to the saving power of God Almighty in view, in front of the entire government of King Nebuchadnezzar. The same fire that swallowed his army, it says that it had no power over these three. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. This guy swings from direction to direction. He is unstable. And their houses laid in ruins for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Whew. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar flip-flops. That's a theme that you'll find in Daniel. He flip-flops back and forth and then here he flip-flops to worship God in this moment and he makes a decree. This guy likes to decree stuff and he decrees only worship the true God. You know what he does in this moment? You know what he's doing in this moment? He's saying... Oh yeah, you see that 90-foot golden pillar? That just became irrelevant. Only worship the true and the living God. Only worship the true and live. No other God can save in this way. No other God can rescue in the midst of the flames. Incredible, incredible story. Incredible historical account. We're going to look at two breakthroughs, two truths about breakers, and then we're going to look at four choices that these 
Hebrew youth made. The first truth about breakthroughs is this. Truth number one, God loves it when we expect him to show up. God loves it when we expect him to show up. When do you expect God to show up when there's trouble? Do you expect God to show up beforehand? Do you expect God to show up in the middle of the trouble? Do you expect God to show up after the trouble? We, hear, we see here that these uh, three Hebrew youth, they expected God to show up before. They expected God to show up during. They expected God to show up after. I think God is so pleased with these three kids because they're expecting him to show up. I imagine the pleasure of God as he observes their life and he sees these three youth fully expect him to be God. God loves it when we expect him to show up. The second truth is that God loves showing up in ways we don't expect him to. God loves showing up in ways we did not expect. How do you expect God to show up? Do you expect God to show up in ways that you understand? Do you expect God to show up in ways that you can predict? Maybe you even avoid the very places that God wants to show up in. And so you try to stay away from them, but God's trying to get you there because he's trying to reveal himself. He's trying to show up. These three Hebrew youth, they must go into the fire so that they can experience God in the midst of the flames. So that they can experience the power of God is greater than the power of the fire. God loves showing up in ways we do not expect. Truth number one, God loves it when we expect, when we expect him to show up. And truth number two is God loves showing up in ways we don't expect. Four choices that these Hebrew youth made in the face of the fire as they're looking at these flames. Choice number one is faith. They choose to trust. What circumstance, situation, what place of attack is challenging your faith? In verse 38, it says that they trusted in him. You know what Nebuchadnezzar did? He made the fire seven times hotter. My question is, how can your faith increase seven times today? How can you notch up your faith in Jesus Christ today so that today you would trust him more than you trusted him yesterday? Choice number one they make is faith. Choice number two they make is obedience. What are the decisions that you face right now that are challenging your obedience to Jesus Christ? It says in verse 28 that they set aside the king's command. What does this mean? It means that they prioritized obedience to God over obedience to King Nebuchadnezzar. They had to make a choice because God's commands and King Nebuchadnezzar's commands were in direct opposition to each other and they could not do both. They had to choose, and they prioritized obedience to God over obedience to King Nebuchadnezzar. How can you notch up your obedience to God, that your obedience would be seven times greater today than it was yesterday? The third choice they make is submission. Submission's a word that we wrestle with. It says that they yielded up their bodies. They yielded up their bodies you see, they chose disobedience to King Nebuchadnezzar. But the price of that was they still had to be in submission to him. How do I know that's true? Because he bound them up and threw them into a fire. And so their disobedience to him, 
they were still submitting to his authority because he literally threw them into the flames. They yielded their body. They submitted their body to the fire. And what were they doing in that moment? They were submitting their body to their God. And they were saying, God, my body's yours. Do whatever you want. They saw their submission to death as submission to God Almighty. How can your submission to God be ratcheted up today? That your submission to God would be greater today than it was yesterday. The fourth choice they made was love. They have an extremely radical display of love towards God. What is challenging your love towards God today? It says in verse 28 that rather than serve and worship any God except their own, they loved God so much that they were willing to cast aside their very being. We're talking about kids here. We're not talking about they they wanted to give up their, their bank account. We're not talking about they wanted to give up their car or their house. We're not talking about they decided to not play Fortnite anymore. They gave up their person. These kids gave up their lives. They gave up themselves as an expression for their loyalty to their God. How can your love become more radical for Jesus Christ today? What an incredible set of choices that these kids make. Remember, this entire historical account, it is an attack on the worship of God Almighty And they trust him for a breakthrough. And God shows up in the place of greatest attack. God shows up in the actual fire. And what is it that they want? They just want to worship the Lord. That's what they want. They want to worship him. These kids are saying, we know who the true one living God is. He knows us and we know him and we will bow before no other. And we will not worship anyone else because our worship and our dedication and our adoration and our loyalty, it belongs to one and one only. And it is the creator of the universe. It's the creator of you, King Nebuchadnezzar. It's the creator of all of us. And they take a stand and they remain loyal to their God and they worship him. Incredible, incredible. This is about the worship of God. And that's how we're gonna end today. And this song, it may be new. It may be new for you. And I would encourage you to let the lyrics of it wash over your heart and be an encouragement to you that it would confirm your own worship of Jesus Christ. Your own commitment and dedication to God Almighty. Father God, Lord, we bow before you. We bow before no other. And God, we say that we love you and we're thankful for you. Oh God, thank you for your saving power and your rescue. Thank you that you show up in the attack when it's greatest and that one like the son of God is present with us. Lord, we love you. God, during this song, would you confirm in our own hearts our worship of you and of you alone. May you be glorified, Lord. Would you be seen as majestic? And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said, amen.
Church family, let's stand together as we close today. In the venue, let's stand. If you're at home, you're in your backyard, let's stand together. If you're driving, you can stay seated, but we're going to stand. We have the incredible opportunity to worship the one true living God. We have the incredible opportunity that we go as worshipers of the one true living God, that we are worshipers of the one true living God into every environment that we head into. And according to the scriptures, that's an incredible testimony and witness to everyone around us. And does our world not need that in this moment right now? That there would be a witness and a testimony to true worshipers who are worshiping the one true living God, that we would point people to him. 
that they might come to know the grace and the mercy and the compassion and the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. Father God, Lord, we love you. And it's a privilege to worship you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these three kids that have set an example for us today. Lord, would our faith increase in you? Would our obedience increase to you? Would our submission increase to you? Father God, would our love become more and more radical for you? Lord, we love you. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be found usable by you. That this week, that we would be found usable for you and for your purposes. And that you would have your way in us. And Lord, would we, wherever we are, God, would we be a witness and a testimony to the glory and the majesty of the one true living God. And so we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our breakthrough. And all God's family said, amen. Have a great day and have a great week, you guys.